everybody, this is Greg Riffner with the Abstract Podcast, and we have John Barrow, CEO of J Barrow Sales Training, on with us today. John, please say hi. Hey, what's going on, Greg? Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm excited to chat with you. I've uh, been a big fan of yours for most of my sales career, and I'm um, kind of excited to have you on. Um, candidly, I feel like I've been living under a rock in a lot of ways. Um, I've been a big fan and, and preaching personalized emails um, and been doing it for so long and been coaching my reps for so long that um, just last week I found out there was an actual name for kind of the strategy that uh, yeah. that I've been deploying and coaching and kind of preaching. And that name is Basho email strategy. And so I'd like to spend some time talking about that with you today. Um, so what is a, a Basho email strategy well, I got to give a little history on this because uh, it's funny. The the name Basho has become a verb um, in a lot of ways, but I was, so I had a similar experience. I was, you know, I had started a company uh, doing IT services. I was 24 years old and I was taking all the trainings that were out there. Um, you know, the Sandlers, the Miller Hyman's, all those. And I actually, so I live in Boston here and there was a workshop and it was from this company called Basho. So the company's name was Basho. And uh, it was a two day public workshop and I, and I went in and I remember just being blown away. And, and the reason was because it was so tactical. Like it wasn't the typical sales training I had been to where it was like role play heavy and, you know, and all this theoretical crap that really would never work. It was no, no, okay. Open up your email, do this, uh, find an account that you wanted in, do some research, fire off one of these easements. And it worked like in class, we got results. I was like, holy shit. Nice. And so I used the approach. And really, ultimately, what everybody kind of associates with the Basho approach, it, it's an email. Um, it's actually called the Why You, Why You Now. And it was uh, trademarked by Jeff Hoffman, who's actually my mentor. We're actually going to be hanging out this afternoon. Um, and Jeff, and if anybody wants to check out, take a look at Jeff, it's M as in Michael J Hoffman.com. Um, and it really is about like hyper personalization. So it's about going on your website, doing some homework on you, right? Not sending any template can pre, you know, marketing type emails or can pitches about how great you are, but really genuinely looking at you as a business and, and looking for challenges that you might have and looking for what we call triggers, right? And a trigger could be anything. They open up a new office, they launch a new product, they merge with a, another business, whatever those things are from a timely standpoint. And that's why it's called the why you, why you now. Because if you can answer those two questions, why you, so, you know, Greg, why am I reaching out to you compared to the other five, 10, 15 people that I could reach out to your in business? And why am I reaching out to you right now versus last week versus last month or whatever? And if you can genuinely answer those two questions, well, you actually have a pretty good shot at somebody getting back to you. So um, I used the approach. It worked. It, it was just kind of an eye opener for me as opposed to what I was doing is just cranking out template emails and making generic cold calls. And I was like, oh, this is good. And it was way more interesting to me too yeah. to actually give a shit about the clients that I was actually paying attention, you know, that I wanted to get in touch with. Yeah. And so uh, I used the approach and, and the rest of the techniques to grow us up. We came with the fastest growing company in Massachusetts. We ended up selling off to Staples. And then I joined Basho as one of the senior trainers and still, you know, presented that, that technique along with a bunch of others um, for a while. And then to make a long story short, uh, they screwed it up. And 2007, new CEO came in, tanked the company and, uh, and fired all of us. And then I scooped it up and took it over. And I've been doing it on my own now for the past 10 years and evolving the content along the way. 
Wow. Okay. All right. So it's actually been around quite a while. Oh um, yeah. Like 20, like 15, 15 ish. I think Jeff came up with it when he left Akamai, uh, in 2001 or something like that. So okay. I, I think, uh, it's at least 20 years, uh, as far as the, the approach is concerned. That's awesome. So, um, I'm going to go off on a, my first tangent to kind <laughs> of dive into something a little bit, a little bit deeper here. So I like that you said it, it was more interesting for you to take yeah. this approach when you're, when you're kind of almost in a way, like uh, kind of being a detective, right? Where, what yep. can I find? Where can I find it? How do I craft this email that is so much more powerful than a, loading a hundred contacts into a cadence oh. and then hitting the send button. Um, the type of person though, that finds that interesting is not as easy to find as the type of person that um, I think most sales organizations um, hire. And so I'm kind of curious kind of what type of maybe backgrounds lead someone to, or maybe not background, but personality traits lead someone to being um, open to taking this approach and being a little bit more prescriptive with how they write their prospecting emails. Yeah. I, so I think it's a little, I, I would probably look at it a little differently. I, if there is a characteristics that I, I would look for, it's genuine curiosity, right? If, if there is something, you know, that's a trait that I've always searched to. And I ask a lot of people on my podcast, you know, is that something you're born with or can you be taught genuine curiosity? And my gut says that real genuine curiosity, you're kind of born with, right? Like I'm genuinely curious. I, I, I know that I'm not the smartest kid in the room. You know what I mean? So I'm always talking to people who are smarter than me and asking them questions about, Hey, how do you do this? And what's going on there? And I'm just genuinely interested when I do get in. I mean, there's plenty of stuff I'm not interested in, but when I do get really interested I, I think it's actually more on the management side to tell you the truth, because we're the ones telling them to make 50 dials a day and send out a hundred cadences and your metrics are all these things. And we're stuck in this weird transition, in my opinion, like I'm a Gen Xer, right? I'm 45 years old. <clears throat> we grew up in the, the numbers game world when it was sales, wow. it was, here's your list, you know, here's your pitch and just go. And it was literally, I mean, I knew my equation back at Thrive. I needed to make uh, $1,600 dials a month. It got me eight meetings a month, got me four proposals, got me two pieces of closed business, average deals size of $3,500. And I ran that equation like you read about, right? Um, so now me and, you know, Generation X, we're now the managers. We're now the quote unquote leadership in these organizations. And I think everybody fundamentally understands that quality is the answer, right? You hear account-based marketing, you hear all artificial intelligence, personalization, all this stuff. So we, we all understand that quality is the answer when personalization is, but you know, what's really hard to coach to is quality. Yeah. You know, it's really easy to manage to numbers. Quantity. Yeah. So I could easily, so, you know, it's hard for me to say, ah, Greg, you know, let me look at your email and uh, I don't know, man, let me coach you on how to write a better email. I'm an English teacher. You know, I'm not a fucking English teacher here. Um, but you know, what's easy. Hey, Greg, did you hit your fucking 50 dials today? You know what I mean? Like that's easy. And so these poor kids are being forced to do this. And, and so I think it's a little bit of both. And what I'm searching for right now is, and I had this conversation with Morgan on my team. Um, you know, when he came on board, Morgan, it was like, you know, an insane SDR. He was a great SDR manager. He came on board here and now he had to be an SDR and AE and a trainer and travel and do all this other stuff. But when he was first starting to ramp, you know, he was doing really well. We came up with cadences. I caught, I came persona messaging. I showed him how to, you know, do some triggers and make the connections to the triggers. Oh, you open up a new office. This is what we do and all that other stuff. And he was getting pretty good results. But then after a certain point, he plateaued. 
And uh, he's like, John, he came to me to his credit. And he's like, John, I, I feel like I'm doing all the right things here, but my results just aren't changing. Like, I'm just oh. not seeing what I would expect to see as the results. I said, well, Morgan, you know, your results aren't going to change until one thing does. And he said, what is that? I said, it's until you start giving a shit. And he said, excuse me? I go, look, Morgan, I'm like, I know you give a shit about your job. I know you give a shit about working here and all that other stuff. But to, until you start genuinely giving a shit about the person that you're reaching out to and thinking of them as a person and as a company, as opposed to a number and an email address, your numbers aren't going to change. And so I think I we just that. need to rethink the way that we do onboarding, for instance. I'll give you an example. You know, most of people, most managers, when a rep comes on board, they give them their territory. Like, okay, here's our ICP. We we work with companies in these industries, and you're in mid market, so you do 500 to you know 5,000 employees, and you know, blah. Okay, cool. So what does a kid do? They just rip a list and they start making a cold call with a generic elevator. They're, they're not looking at them as a business. As like, why is this like a good one for me to call? So instead, what I do is I say, hey, Morgan, here's my 10 top 10 clients, okay? I want you to go deconstruct these clients and figure out why they are, what are the commonalities that make these our top 10 customers, okay? And so he would do research them, look at their backgrounds, look at where they were on their cycle as far as, you know, series A, series B, series C, you know, growth trajectory, those are the, how their teams are made up. And he would learn that and then come up with, okay, well, that, that's what, lo that's what great looks like for us. So now when Morgan's looking at his list, he's not looking at a list. He's looking at a list and then saying, okay, how do these companies' characteristics match up with what I know is a great client for us from a fit standpoint, right? So he was reading case studies. He was look, talking to customers. Then personas. We give them personas like, hey, Sally, she's in marketing and she likes, in, you know, she likes to be creative. So here's your stupid pitch on Sally. I didn't give that because again, you give that to a kid who comes out of college taught to the test. They're going to memorize that and regurgitate a pitch and not have any idea what Sally's day in life is. So uh -huh. with Morgan, I said, Morgan, these are our three personas, CROs, VPs of sales, VPs of enablement. I need you to go out and figure out what these people care about today. Go do some research, Google it, uh, interview a few of them, go on LinkedIn and ask a question and get some feedback and come back to me with a one pager of what the challenges that these people are faced with today. And so now when he's calling into those personas, he has context. He has actually interesting things to talk about. He has questions. He's like, you know, I was talking to another CRO the other day, and they said that right now they're focused on, are you seeing the same thing? So that format is a far better way of onboarding a kid than just giving them a, you know, giving a bunch of product knowledge, giving them a list, telling them who their personas are, and then give them some metrics to say go, and then a tool like Sales Loft or Outreach to just hammer away on. Like that is this cycle that we're in that is just brutal. And I just wish it would break. And I think it's going to, because all, yeah. those, all those kids who are going through the motions right now, they're all just going to be replaced. Not replaced. I believe that a massive part of the SDR BDR organization is going to shift way under marketing and operations. I'm seeing it in almost all of my clients. And they're going to be more salaried positions than, than commission positions. And it's not going to be attract to sales. It's going to be attract to operations or marketing. As a, and some will obviously go to sales. But I think that SDR BDR is going to be replaced by a lot of technology. And those kids are going to be using tools as opposed to engaging. That's fascinating. Um, I like that you talk about giving a shit about the person you're talking to, because um, ultimately even, I've always been a firm believer, John, that uh, you can tell, right? When someone actually cares, whether you're talking to them, whether you get an email from them, like it is so, I think it's just something about human nature where we're kind of our, 
maybe being in sales, our bullshit meter is a little bit stronger than, than, than other people. And so um, I completely agree with that. And, but again, it goes back to the mind shift of, of leadership that are we willing to rethink how we onboard, how we train, how we coach our reps and are we okay with maybe some less objective APIs maybe around what success looks like? Is that mm-hmm. a fair consideration uh, to have? Or a shift in KPIs. You know what I mean? Like I love the fact that MQLs right now, people are just like rolling their eyes at MQLs, right? It's like just because somebody downloaded a fucking white paper doesn't mean they're qualified <laughs> anything. You know what I mean? Like, like so I, I would push the metrics further down. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I think my personal approach is this. When a kid comes on board in an organization, I got to know if they can do the work, period. So at first it's quantity. Okay. So I'm going to give them a list of shitty accounts. I'm just going to give them a, like, if I tear out my accounts, I got tier ones, tier twos, tier threes. I'm going to give the newbies a list of tier threes to just throw up all over themselves and get quantity. And I'm going to tell you, you know what? And I'll go back to my equation, like 1600 dials a month or 400 dials a week, right? Got me eight meetings. I'm going to tell you, all right, Greg, you got to do 400 dials a week for the next four weeks. Okay. Because my numbers say that 400 equals eight equals four equals two equals this. So you can hit your number that way, right? So first and foremost, I'm going to give you a little bit of guidance, but I'm going to see if you can make your ears bleed or, or do, just do the quantity work. Because me as a manager, I can't, in order for me to coach you, in order for me to help you, I got to figure out, I got to start to segment down of what area I need to help you in. And there's two big levers I can figure out. One is quality and the other is quantity, Okay or effort and then ability. Okay. Give or take effort. That's an easy one for me to figure out. Can you do the job? Can you do the numbers? And so, and before, so before I really invest a ton of coaching into you, I got to see if your work ethics there first. Okay. Now, after you go through that for a month or two and you get your ears, your ears bleed and you do the numbers and the numbers aren't shaking out, like those metrics aren't shaking out as far as the conversion ratios are concerned. Now I know it's not a quantity issue. Now I know it's a quality issue. So now we can take a step back and say, okay, instead of making 400 dials a week, I want you to make a hundred. I, you know, and go after these accounts in a very thoughtful way. I want you to at least go on their website and have some reason to talk to and do this and craft your messaging this way and whatever it is. Now let's try that for a couple of, you know, weeks or months or whatever it is. And let's see if our conversion ratios change, right? And I put a caveat to all of this stuff. Look, if you're an SMB and you're, you know, blasting, like you're probably almost all quantity and you're doing elevator pitches. But again, I don't understand why that's not any different than marketing, right? But if you're in mid-market and enterprise, I got to get you to the point where quality is the answer. And I'm going to stop measuring you on how many dials or activities you do. And I'm going to push it down and start measuring how many, uh, like what is your conversion ratios for stage two opportunities or stage one opportunities? You know what I mean? To say, okay, look, you know, okay, you made 400 dials. Great. But you're, you only got two meetings. Okay. Let's take a step back. Now you've made a hundred or hundred activities and you got five meetings. Okay. But none of those five meetings actually transferred to the next stage. Okay. So now our next step is to get five to 10 meetings and get at least a couple of them to go to stage two. Now I'm going to comp you on that. So as you move through your sales process and your cycle as a, as a sales rep, you're getting hot, you're getting paid further and further and further for quality, 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 and less and less for quantity. I love that. So kind of a overall progression or maturation as an SDR to quality, then yep. you kind of progress through qual 
quantity to get to that quality stage. I like that. I've never heard of anybody kind of think about it that way. But again, um, I would imagine that takes patience. And that also takes an understanding that you're probably going to be three, four months into an SDR ramping before they're actually starting to show some quality. Yeah. Right. I would, I yeah. But I mean, that's the case anyways. Yeah. But, you yeah. know what I mean? Think about it. Like what SDR out there comes out of the gate three months into their first job, nailing awesome meetings for their AEs. Like I almost guarantee if you ask AEs and they say like, Hey, do you want a couple of new SDRs on your team? They're like, Oh shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like oh, I'm going to have to go on meaningless shit meetings. I'm going to have to co- tell this kid what the, f- you know what I mean? So fine. Have that kid be, you know, the first three months who gives a shit like there, it's going to be crap anyways. So <laughs> if you're, if you're hitting quality on month four to me, that's insanely fast ramp. If you're hitting quality metrics on month four, right? That's a, that's yeah. a insanely, but I think it's also about expectation setting. You know what I mean? Like you tell the rep, look, you, this is what you're doing your first three months. Then from, if you hit these metrics after month three, you now get to go to, you need to shift to this type of thing. And then we're going to measure you on this type of thing. And then you do that for six months. And then if you earn that, then you get to this stage. And by the way, that can all be expedited if you're hitting those metrics faster. So, yeah. All right. I love that. I love that. Absolutely. That's awesome. So final thing uh, before we kind of wrap up here, John, is um, as I've gone through my career of coaching reps around trying to figure out that why you, why now, I often, um, I met with initial kind of pushback because it's like, oh, well, it's hard to find something relevant. You know, where do I go to find this? And um, maybe I've lost a little bit of patience over my <laughs> career because uh, we have this amazing tool called the internet. And uh, you can pretty much find anything that you, that you want to find. Um, So maybe what's kind of your go-to maybe top three things that you always kind of check first to see if you can find some quick wins to personalize an email, personalize a phone call, make it that why you, why now type of thing. Well, I'm going to give some ideas here on how to graduate to the give a shit factor, but like we got to get them there first, right? Cause we got to get people out of the mindset of just churning and burning on template emails and press and play on crappy cadences. Right. So management wise, what I would recommend to a lot of people out there is let's identify five triggers. What are five things that, that your company or your solution can add value to? Right. And you can go on, like I use Owler, O-W-L-E-R, right. It's uh, yep. it's like Google alerts on steroids. And there's actually a bunch of triggers in there that you could even choose from, right. Merger and acquisition, launching a new product, you know, whatever those things are. So let's, you know, growth, hiring SDRs, whatever those things are. Okay. Now let's pick five. And for, for a couple of reasons, one is we're going to actually be able to create messaging around those triggers that we can repurpose. Cause every time somebody goes through a merger and acquisition, you can kind of say the same, like your value proposition should be pretty similar, right? Every time somebody yep. launches a new product, your value proposition could be similar. So we can actually create templates for those triggers that are 80% written, but you still have to put the, t- the, the top 20% on the personalization part on. So I'm going to create a template, Greg, that says, hi, name i saw you recently merged with blah blah and that's the part i have to customize the reason that prompted me to reach out to you is because a lot of our companies who go through mergers and acquisitions are leveraging our solution in this way right so again that message can be sent and then you figure figure out what your call to action is right so now i have these templates for my five triggers 
And then I use a tool like Owler, Google Alerts, whatever it is to get alerted on those. So now I get the information to come to me. So when I get pinged that one of my accounts that I'm tracking goes through a merger and acquisition, I just open up my merger and acquisition template, put a little flavor on top, send it off. And I've just done some pretty damn high quality prospecting in a very efficient way. Now, the other benefit of that is when you, when you hype, when you focus and say pick five, well, now that's what the reps should be looking for. So when they go to an account and they do their research, they're not looking for anything and everything because otherwise they'll get lost in the rabbit hole and they'll be looking for the perfect thing. And there is no perfect thing. So what you do is you say, hey, look for these five things. And if, you th if they have those five things, fantastic. If they don't have those five things, move on. Oh, yeah. Right? Because, yeah, because look, there are some things, Greg, where I've gone to a website and I've just been like, there's, there's really nothing here. You know what I mean? Like I could probably try to manufacture some piece of shit thing that, you know, and try to make it sound good, but it wouldn't be authentic. It wouldn't be genuine. It wouldn't be real. I mean, uh, the woman, Leslie, who started working for us, you know, she has, you know, she picks three accounts every single morning. She goes deep on them and we kind of review her messaging and that type of thing. And she sent me one the other day. She goes, John, this looks like a good account for us. It fits our ICP, but I was on their website and I really, you know, I was looking through everything and I really can't find anything. And I po poked around for five minutes. I was like, yeah. There's nothing good here. So let's not force it. You know what I mean? Like this doesn't look like a company that is in a position that can leverage our stuff right now. That doesn't mean that they're not a good prospect for us eventually. But right now, going back to why you and why you now, if I can't find the why now, then no, move yeah. on. And yeah. don't, get, don't go down that rabbit hole. You should, here's one more last tip, which is when you do your research, don't just look for one thing and then write one email and then schedule another activity three or four days later. It's horribly inefficient from a time standpoint, time management standpoint. I do this. I put a, a meeting, uh, like a 10 minute timer on my, on my phone here. And when I do research, I say go. And I look for as many things as I possibly can find. So I, I look for everything because what it does is it opens up my, so instead of looking for one thing, I'm hyper-focused because I'm typically like, ah, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. But if I say 10 minutes, go find everything. Now I'm just like, whatever, whatever, whatever. That's good enough, good enough, good enough, good enough. And then after those 10 minutes, I take a step back and I say, all right, out of all this stuff that I just found, what's legit? Like what's cool that I could use to tell my story with? And then I pick the one I like, and then I kind of map out the next three or four touches or whatever. And then I go from there. So a couple of efficiency tools right there. Um, but it's, a, it's, it's not that hard uh, to actually segment out some time to give a shit. And if anybody's listening to this and you have managers pushing you to make the 50 dials, 100 sequences, whatever it is, just everybody talks about having a side hustle. Have quality be your side hustle. And then go back to your manager and prove that your numbers taking a quality approach are better than the numbers taking the quantity approach. And if you're, <laughs> and if you're manager, and if your manager doesn't appreciate that go find another job <laughs> oh that's awesome um that's real talk right there that's awesome well john this has been super awesome i know we uh were originally going to talk about kind of personalizing emails but it definitely morphed more into overall just kind of um how we should be thinking about hiring training onboarding sdrs and then what that means from a management perspective, but also some of the tactical things like, um, you know, identifying triggers with Owler and Google Alerts. Um, I, it's shocking to me how many times I talk to somebody and they don't know what a Google Alert is. Yeah. Um, if, if you have assigned accounts or accounts that you want to win and you don't have Google Alerts set up for them, um, like stop, stop living under a rock like I have been over the past, you know, five or six years not knowing what a Basho email was. <laughs> so 
Really good takeaways, John. I um, I think our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of this. So really appreciate it. And um, if anybody wants to learn more about you or Jay Barrow's training, what's the best way to get a hold of you guys? Yeah, I mean, the, the, our website has everything. So jbarrows.com, the letter J-B-A-R-R-O-W-S.com. Uh, that has, we have uh, corporate stuff, but we also have individual stuff and we have a whole online on-demand platform kind of Netflix for sales over there. Uh, and the easiest way to get in touch with me is, I mean, you'll find me on LinkedIn, but actually where I do most of my coaching and free consulting, if you will, is on Instagram. So Instagram is, my handle is John M as in Michael Barrows. So all one thing, John M Barrows. Uh, and that's where I uh, do most of my, like I said, coaching and free consulting out that one as well. Cool. Well, I appreciate it. Well, John, enjoy the rest of your day, sir. And uh, thank you again for your time. Awesome. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me on. Bye.